Hello, I'm Gary Fogel. Welcome to another edition of Kentucky Sports Memories. As always, I'm thrilled to have you with me. Today, we're going to be talking about Kentucky High School Girls Basketball, the history of Kentucky High School Girls Basketball. It existed from 1920 to 1932 as a sanctioned sport in the state of Kentucky, but after the 1932 state championship, it was dropped. By the way, during those early years from 1920 to 1932, there was never an all-tournament team selected for girls. There was for boys, but they didn't select an all-tournament team for girls. So there was a sports writer for a newspaper in Lexington who decided he would pick the all-tournament team for girls. And you'll be shocked at the criteria he used to determine who made the all-tournament team. <laughs> That's a little tease because I'm not going to give that to you right now. I'm going to save that for later in the show, make you hang around. But you will be fascinated by what he used to determine who made the all-tournament team. That's coming up. So again, the high school basketball for girls was dropped after 1932 state championship. Now, some schools continued to play it but it was non-sanctioned by the Kentucky High School Athletic Association, and there was no state championship. Some had club teams, some had leagues that they played in, especially in the bigger cities like Lexington and Louisville, but others dropped basketball altogether. They didn't have it for many, many years. And it went 43 years before it was brought back in 1974. It came back as a sanctioned sport in the Kentucky High School Athletic Association, and they started crowning champions again in girls' high school basketball. Title IX passed then, and you would think, well, that's what implemented it in Kentucky, but according to what I've been told, it would have taken Title IX a few more years to get basketball back. So a politician here in Kentucky by the name of Nick Baker, he went to work and he proposed a bill to bring girls high school basketball back and got it done so that in 1974 it came back as a sanctioned sport. So I talked with Nick Baker about that and he explains a lot of what went on back in the early 70s to get that done. So you put the bill in in 1974 to bring girls basketball back. That's correct. Why did you do that? Because I've felt like that the girls should be able to enjoy sports, exercise, and I've always been a little bit of a, a fitness uh, enthusiast. And um, I knew that getting exercise was important, especially as we age. And the girls were discouraged from this. The guys didn't have any problem with it. You know, they played sports in high school. Some of them played sports in college. And large numbers of them kept up with some decent form of exercise as they aged, playing golf or, you know, doing any number of sports that that you can do uh, without being in a, on a school team. Uh, and, and I felt like that the girls, just for their decent physical well-being, should be able to engage in sports with without the shame or fear of... A lot of the girls were worried about 
being not feminine, you know, being uh, uh, too boy-like, for lack of a better term. Yeah, <laughs> I kept thinking butch, but I didn't want to say that. Right, right. <laughs> but anyway, they they were very concerned about how the guys perceived them. And of course, there was a lot of nonsense to think that that they couldn't be athletic and still be attractive and um but there was some some fear i think on the part of some women um but anyway i thought it was just a good way to show uh, girls that that they could pursue athletics not only in school but afterward and i I think i told a career journal reporter that they were uh Reluctant, felt reluctant to get sweaty and get, get dirty and put on, you know, uh, the appropriate clothing to play basketball just, you know, on a pickup court. Now, as you can imagine, when he introduced this bill, he got some pushback. A lot of people didn't want it. And much of the pushback came from school officials. The men, the, the, all the coaches, Principals, superintendents. Many of the principals and superintendents had been coaches, and they didn't want to share the facilities. Um, I mean, you know, you got one gym, so you're going to have to have to share practice time, and they didn't want to do that. And and they were also worried about the money, I guess. Um, so we, you still had some of that attitude. Um, prevalent in 74 when, when I put that bill in. So when you introduced the bill in the Senate in Kentucky, did you, you mentioned you got some pushback from school officials. Did you get pushback from government officials? No, not other than, well, the KSSAA was against it. And they, and, and that was just a matter of uh, a lot of bureaucrats and government you know, don't like to be told what to do. They, their attitude is just send us the money and we'll figure out what to do. We don't need the legislature telling us what to do. So the Kentucky High School Athletic Association was against adding girls basketball. Yes. They claimed that they were taking care of it on their own. And it, it wasn't so much that they, they, they were against it. They, just, they didn't like to be told what to do. And, and I think the KSAA was... Is, Sort of a, it's probably dominated, at least back then, dominated by the male principals and superintendents, who many of whom had been basketball coaches. We had, I want to tell you a couple more things about that. There's an old legislative trick to pass a bill in your house, you know, the house of the sponsor, and then kill it in the other one. Well, I was aware of that. So, we passed through the Senate without any problem and went down to the House. And, of course, this stuff gets piled up at the end of the session, and and it's easy, easy for a bill to be lost. But anyway, uh, I uh, uh, followed it in the House uh, to make sure that it, uh, nothing happened to it. And 
so I was aware of that trick that, you know, I could kill it in the house, and, and the people in the center said, look, we did everything we could for you, but then it got killed in the house. And so I, you have to have 40 votes. Even if you have a majority, you have to have a minimum of 40 on the winning side. And um, Norbert Blum was a speaker, and the fellow I had gotten to help me was out rounding up votes, you know, dragging guys out of the restroom because they would just, you know, a lot of people just go hide. You know, they didn't want to vote against it, but they didn't want to vote for it, so they were just conveniently absent. And so the fellow who was helping was out rounding these guys up and got them to come in, and Norb Blum held the machine open until the fellow I had helped me could round up 40 votes. We got 44. And then in the course of some very few against it. But once he got up to 44, uh, he closed the machine and we got it passed. Hmm. But it was close, you know. <laughs> well, did you attend the first Girls Sweet 16 in 1975? <laughs> no, no, I'm afraid I didn't. But my, it was not my goal to provide entertainment for myself. It was my goal to teach young women that they could participate in sports without losing their femininity. But what I'm saying is that when that first Sweet 16 rolled around, that had to be a proud moment for you. Well, it was. But, again, it's, it. Uh, I knew the girls were getting what they needed to, to get. Are you familiar with Jerry Grigsby? Oh yeah, I've taught, I've done a I've done a show on Jerry Grigsby. Okay, well they had her. Well, this was, uh, gee, I don't know. This is probably twenty years after that deal. Uh, they had uh, well the the film that Justine Richardson made was being shown at U of L, and I went to that, and Jerry was there. And I met her, and I never met her before. And um, she, she she said, "You're my hero." <laughs> all that made it worth it with all the effort I put into it, just for her to say that. Well, Jerry Grigsby was one of the early stars when girls basketball came out of its hiatus after a 40-plus year absence. We'll hear from her when we come back, and we'll hear from some others who benefited on the return of Kentucky Girls High School basketball. And don't forget, coming up later in the show, I'll fill you in on how one Lexington sports writer picked the girls' all-tournament team back in the 1920s. It will blow your mind. <laughs> I'm Kerry Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. I'm back in a moment. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization. If I'm not given the opportunity, 
if you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it worked. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. I'm Gary Fogle. Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories. Thank you so much for joining me. And once again, we're talking about Kentucky girls high school basketball, the history of the girls basketball program in this state. And again, it was a sanctioned sport with a state champion every year from 1920 to 1932. And then it was dropped by the Kentucky High School Athletic Association. Didn't return until 1974, and that's when a guy by the name of Nick Baker, who was a state senator, he introduced a bill in the state government, and it was passed and got high school basketball in Kentucky reinstated. You heard from Nick Baker in our last segment about the uh, trials and tribulations and the process he went through to get uh, basketball for girls back as a sanctioned sport. And he mentioned in that uh, interview, in that conversation, Jerry Grigsby. So I wanted to hear from her. Jerry Grigsby played at McDowell High School in far eastern Kentucky. She was Kentucky's Miss Basketball in 1977. So in 1974, when the sport came back, she was a sophomore. And that was the first year she got the opportunity to play organized basketball. And she went on to great scoring prowess in her career. Her junior year, she averaged 45.8 points per game. That's third best for a single season in Kentucky girls high school basketball history. Her senior year, she averaged 49.6 points per game. And that still ranks number one in Kentucky for girls high school basketball for points in a season. She also ranks number one in the state of Kentucky for girls high school basketball for most points in a game when she scored 81. So she was a beneficiary of girls basketball returning, allowing her the opportunity to have that marvelous high school basketball career. And I talked to her about that. I was part of that group that uh, we we were fortunate enough to play. I got that chance to play, so I'm very grateful for that. Women's basketball in Kentucky had existed back in like the teens and early 20s, and then it discontinued. So didn't come back until the fall of 74, or the winter, I guess, of 74, which was your sophomore year. So by, right. by sheer luck... You make that window, I mean, a few years later, and you would have never played, and, and a lot of people, no, no offense, would have never heard of you. That's that's part of it. Uh, no, I was just lucky. I, I did grow up in a basketball family. You know, my dad, Pete Jr., had uh, he was an all-state player, uh, actually played for UK, although he tells people he had the best seat in the house at Rupp. Uh, I mean, at Memorial Coliseum, uh, he was on that 53-54 team that went undefeated. So I did grow up. He became a high school coach. So, uh, you know, as a little girl, I watched him 
coach and run practices and listen to strategy. And, and when people weren't noticing, I was uh, learning to dribble and shoot myself. So um, I think, though, uh, you know, I don't know, had there not been a girls basketball, I might have played on the boys' team. But we'll never know, will we? <laughs> but, I, but I really was lucky. Uh, I mean, at one, I do know that a lot of the parochial schools and some of the schools in Louisville, had girls programs, but it wasn't until Title IX on a federal level, and then you know Kentucky followed and passed statutes that required a girls state tournament, that kind of thing. So um, it was really special to be part of that. Um, I, I tell people uh, the, the story of the very first game that McDowell uh, played. It was on uh, November first. Uh, in 19, I think it would have been 74, and the uh, little McDowell gym was, it was the kind of, it's like the old Wayland gym, which still stands, the McDowell gym's no longer there, but it looked like a barn, big barn, and it was packed, and I think people were uh, excited, but I think mostly curious to see if girls could play, and I don't think we disappointed too much. Did you play organized basketball prior to high school? Did you play on a boys' team in middle school or anything? No, um, I just, um, you know, I've, I've played uh, little pickup games and uh, nothing organized until that very first game, November 1st. Uh, no, I didn't play anything organized until my sophomore year. Did you enjoy playing pickup ball against the guys when you were younger? Oh, yeah, it was wonderful. But going into her sophomore year is when basketball was sanctioned once again for girls here in the state of Kentucky, and she went on to that marvelous career and is still considered one of the legends in high school basketball in this state. So she was the 1977 Miss Basketball. The first year that the sport was sanctioned when it returned, 74-75, Kentucky did not name a Miss Basketball, but in the state tournament, they did name a most valuable player, and that was Donna Murphy, who played at Newport High School up in northern Kentucky. So she was the MVP. She was a junior, and she came back in the next year, her senior year, and became Kentucky's first Miss Basketball. I talked with her about all this, and she talked about also you know, what they wore, girls in their attire, and what they wore back then, and how, at that time, it was not accepted by a lot of people. You know, and back then, to see a girl wearing boys' shorts or boys' gym shoes, you could imagine the names I was called. <laughs> Plus being tall and lanky and, you know, a young lady of color. So I had to deal with a lot of different things that these young women don't have to really... Um, you know, uh, deal with each each and every day. You know, nowadays you have uh, young women wearing men's, uh, you know, basketball attire, and they don't even play ball, <laughs> you know? Right. But, uh, but back then, you know, for us to get ourselves together and look like a team and play the game, uh, that, that, that was a, a very, very uh, forward-moving uh, situation for me. But I was fortunate because that's when they brought the uh, women's uh, state tournament back in 1975. Right, your junior year. Yeah, and uh, they were also uh, granting, they called them uh, grant-in-aids, and th those were scholarships. 
And, you know, I played the game. I wasn't even thinking about a scholarship. Uh, I knew I was going to college, and it was going to be because of my academics. That was priority in our household. But I didn't even think about playing uh, college basketball uh, until I started hearing about there were college women's teams. And Donna Murphy was recruited by several of those college teams, ended up signing with Moorhead State, was a star at Moorhead. She went through there on a basketball scholarship. It was her ticket to a college education. And it all came about because basketball returned as a sanctioned high school sport in Kentucky her junior year. So let's move from her to another person who benefited from all this. That's Donna Moore, and she is now the coach going into her 29th season at Louisville Sacred Heart Academy. But she's not only been a, a benefactor of coaching girls high school basketball, where she won three consecutive state titles back in the early 2000s, but she was also a freshman on that Sacred Heart team that won the second ever state tournament. Well, at least the second state tournament once girls high school basketball returned after that long hiatus. Anyway, that was back in 1976. Donna, it's hard to find somebody who benefited more than you with Kentucky Girls High School basketball being sanctioned and when it did because you got to play on that 1976 championship team, that state championship team, which would have never happened if the state tournament hadn't come back. No, it really wouldn't have. But, you know, I didn't even think about that. You know, coming out of grade school, um, you know, I never played the six-man basketball or anything like that. Um, you know, I grew up in an athletic family, you know, with my dad and my brother being really athletic. So it never really occurred to me the history that was being made. So I guess it took years later for you to appreciate what happened because, again, you were a freshman on that 70, 16. Mm -hmm. So freshmen are 13, 14 years old, maybe 15. You're kind of clueless as what's going on in the world around you. <laughs> you know, oh, exactly. Picture. Yeah. But but I assume later on you realize, man, I almost missed that window, and that that was really special. Yeah, I mean it, that's true because, like I said, I never grew up thinking girls didn't have opportunities. You know, I I just was never raised that way. Um, you know, I I thought I had the world in front of me athletically. So then, you know, when you look back at the history and you realize, hey, it just got started back up a couple of years. You know, before I got to high school. Donna Moore, a freshman on the 1976 Louisville Sacred Heart State Championship team, and now starting her 29th season as the Sacred Heart head coach. So she has benefited tremendously from the return of girls high school basketball. I want to talk to one last person, and that is Roy Bowling. He was the head basketball coach for the Laurel County girls when they started their program in 1974, and they won three consecutive state championships in 77, 78, and 79. He had a lot of success, but he was one of those who wasn't that excited about the opportunity when he first got the call. When you started this program at Laurel County, it's my understanding that you didn't really want that job. That's exactly right. And why is it? What, what are the details that surrounded that? Well, I was coaching baseball. I, you know, I, I played baseball in college, semi-pro, and baseball is my sport, which I, I really love it. And I was coaching baseball at Laurel County and had a real good uh, program going. In fact, we just 
went to the Final Four the year before this came up. Superintendent called me in. He said, uh, Roy, he said, I want you to take this girl's job. And I said, you're out of your crazy mind. And he said, no. He said, you coached uh, London and Hazel Green and the boys and said you were successful there. And he said, uh, I want you to take this for a few years and uh, get it started. And uh, he said, you go home and talk it over with your wife. I said, I'll make her uh, a sponsor and and uh, I'll pay you the same as I pay the boys, coach. And uh, I, I said, well, I'm not going to give up baseball. And he said, no, you don't have to give up baseball. He said, you go home, talk it over with your wife, and let me know in the morning. And I went back in the next morning, and my wife and I talked it over, and and uh, I told him, I said, well, we, we're going to try this. We had three young girls in school and uh, you know the extra money would help and uh, so my idea was to start it and, and for a few years and then get out and uh, stay with baseball. Buddy ended up having immediate success with basketball and as I said won three straight titles in the girls basketball sweet 16 in 1977 78, 79, so he gave up baseball and stayed with basketball, and that's where his legacy is in coaching in Kentucky girls high school basketball. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to go back to the 1920s and 1930s, and I promise we're going to get to that Lexington sports writer and how he determined who made the all-tournament team at one of those state tourneys back in the 1920s. You're you're going to want to hear it. Stay with me. I'm Gary Fogel. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. We hear from a lot of owners that are stressed because their pet isn't behaving the way they expect it to. Usually this is just a training problem, but sometimes the pet isn't a good match for the owner. It's important to be honest about your expectations and to educate yourself about your pet's needs before you take them home. If you have a rigid schedule, a dog might be a good fit since they usually thrive in a structured environment. But if your schedule is always changing, a cat would probably be a better choice since they're a bit more self-sufficient. And you should learn about your individual breeds and their behaviors. A large, active dog usually is not a good choice for an apartment, and pets that shed probably aren't good for people that like their homes to be spotless. Remember, the more effort you put into choosing your pet, the less effort you'll have to put into keeping them as a valuable member of your family. I'm Gary Fogel. Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories, where we're talking about the history of girls basketball, high school basketball here in Kentucky. And we've dealt with 1974 in that era, the late 70s, the mid to late 70s, and talked to some people who benefited from the return of high school basketball after a long hiatus. 
after it uh, wrapped up in 1932 and was discontinued from 32 until 74. So let's take you back to the 20s and 30s when it existed previously, and they did have a state tournament, a state champion. And uh, as I mentioned, they crowned the state champion in girls high school basketball from 1920 to 1932 till it was discontinued. And we'll talk about why it got discontinued. That'll be coming up in a little bit. But first, let's talk about some people who played back then. Obviously, I tried to find someone who may have played, but they'd be in their hundreds at this point, and I couldn't find anybody living who played back then. So I talked to some people who knew some women who played at that time. And remember, we heard from Nick Baker in the early segment because he was the state politician who introduced the bill to bring back high school basketball for girls here in Kentucky. And he said he did it because he wanted girls to have the same opportunity as boys to participate in sports and get the exercise, that type of thing. Well, maybe another reason he did it is because his mother played high school basketball. She was on the team from Hazard High School that won the state championship back in 1930. And she talked to him about her experience playing high school basketball and one interesting story in particular. I remember one thing she told me. Um, they played Buckhorn girls. Buckhorn is a little town in Perry County. It's probably 30 miles from Hazard. And, of course, we're talking the late 20s, early 30s. They would ride the train to a town called Chavez. Buckhorn is two mountains away. And roads, as you could imagine, were primitive. And she said the girls from Buckhorn, people from Buckhorn, would meet them at the train station at Chavez and then ride them back across two mountains, muleback, to Buckhorn, and they play, and they stay overnight, and they may have played a second game the next day. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, the the Buckhorn people would meet them with these mules and take them back to Buckhorn. And then they'd, they'd stay overnight and then, then come back to Hazard by train the next day. Uh, so a mule ride in and a mule ride out and a train ride in between. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Even the even in the middle of winter, like in middle of January when it was the coldest. Well, I I would imagine. I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't have been. So I mentioned Hazard winning that state championship in 1930. That was their only state title during that early period of girls basketball from 1920 when they crowned their first champion until 1932, and then after that. It was disbanded until 1974. Most successful team during that period was Ashland High School. They won five state championships, 1921, 22, 24, 28, and 29. Interestingly, the uh, boys' team is called the Tomcats, has always been called the Tomcats. The girls were called the Kittens. (laughs) That was their nickname back then. And in 1928, the Ashland boys and girls both won a state championship. And I talked to Mark Maynard over in Ashland. He's a a veteran journalist there, worked for 42 years for the Daily Independent, 
the uh, newspaper in Ashland. He's written books. He writes blogs. He's very much an authority on the history of sports in Ashland. And he talked about that 1928 championship in Lexington when both the boys and girls team returned home to the city to a hero's welcome. Of course, it was late, you know, because I think they traveled by train, actually. And, and they came home. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, now it's about a two-hour drive to Lexington from Ashland, you know, on the highway. But it wasn't like that in 1928. Plus, you didn't have the cars that were very fast or anything else. So, you know, train was a was the way people traveled a lot. But they came back, and when they came back after winning it uh, that day, there was just a huge crowd, you know, waiting for them to celebrate with them. And they celebrated both boys and girls. You know, it wasn't like, you know, oh, just, you know, the girls don't care, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. They were really proud of both of them, you know, the town was. And they had, they said they had a, a celebration of all celebrations. You know, they, they took them all the way through town and, you know, um, people were, hundreds of people were out to greet them. So it was, it was a big deal, a big deal in Ashland, a big deal in, when you win a state championship, but, you know, you don't know how it would be in, in 1928. Uh, with with all that was going on then, but uh, for a small town, and you know, Ashland was still a small town at that at that point. Before it grew a little bit, now it's a small town again. <laughs> but uh, it was a big thing, you know. Basketball was a big thing in Ashland, always has been. But my guess is back then, the girls' program didn't get the priority, didn't get the attention that the boys got. Right. I, I know just from researching things that, you know, they didn't cover the girls. You know, they didn't cover the games. Uh, You're talking about kinda, the newspaper. The newspaper, yeah. They, you know, they had, they would have little small things in, but they wouldn't like send a reporter to all the games or anything like that. Of course, they, you know, they didn't have very many reporters either, so I'm sure they were strapped that way as well. So, yeah, the, the, certainly the, the boys got the lion's share of the attention, you know, from, and from and probably from from attendance too, you know, from the games uh, when people would come to watch. I, I'm sure the girls didn't have the crowd as the boys did. But the, back, the Ashland girls were really good at, at, during that time. You know, uh, they were they were a, a very a dominating force in in the state, not just around here, but in the state. Another dominating force was Woodburn High School. That was located down in Warren County. You got to remember back then there were a lot of small community schools so some counties had multiple schools because they had these little as I said community schools and many of those went away throughout the years a good number of them in the 16s and 70s when consolidation really took hold but anyway Woodburn is a community which is in the southern tip of Warren County it's about 12 miles south of Bowling Green uh, the school existed, very small school. It burned down in 1941. They never built it back, and those kids just went to other schools. But in the 1920s and early 30s, Woodburn was a dominant force in high school basketball. The girls were, anyway. They went to five straight state tournaments. They were state runner-up in 1930, and then they won the championship in 31 and 32. And during that five-year period, they had a record of 130 wins and just seven losses. So I would say that's, that's pretty dominant. I talked to David Chapman down in Bowling Green. That's because 
David's mom played uh, for Woodburn. She was on those state championship teams. And he also had two aunts who played for Woodburn. So it was very much in the family. And before we hear from David, I should mention that girls basketball and boys basketball back then had a center jump after every made basket. So it's not like it is today where, you know, somebody makes a basket and the other team takes it out of bounds. Back then, if you made a basket or whoever made a basket, they took the ball to center court and they had a jump ball. So if you had a, a tall player or somebody who could jump really well and win most of the jump balls or all of the jump balls, you could pretty much dominate as far as holding the ball offensively throughout the course of the game. So that's important to know before we hear from David Chapman. And I asked him about his mother and her experience with high school basketball. And he said he learned a little bit about it, but it really didn't come from his mom or either of his aunts. My dad told us more about how good those girls were than, than the girls talked about it. They, they were pretty modest about it. Was your mom any good? She was a fast little guard, according to my dad now. I'm telling you what, what he told us. And uh, as quick, quick as a cat, he said, and she could drive and, and get under the basket and, you know, get, get layups. And uh, my, my Aunt Helen was tall for a girl then. She was about 5'8", and she played center, so she, she jumped center. Uh, they played a Bristow team one time, and I think beat them 93 to nothing. And my Aunt Helen got every tip. <laughs> After every basket, she got a tip, and they they had tip-off plays where they tip it to one person, and somebody breaks for the basket, and they'd throw it down there and make a layup. So, had two or three tip-off plays. But Aunt Helen was worn out after the ball game. Dad said because she had jumped center so many times. Well, along with being quick, uh, Chapman's mom must have also been pretty good. She was all state for two years, her junior and senior year, and her sister was all state three years. So they were quite the players for Woodburn High School, which won the last two state tournament titles in 1931 and 32. Then the sport was disbanded and there wasn't a state champion again until 1975. So why did the sport go away for all those years? We'll look into that when we come back from a break. And also I'll finally reveal to you the sports writer in Lexington and how he determined the all tournament team. As I said all along, you're going to want to hear it, and it's coming up in the next segment. I promise. I really do. Stay with me. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization. If I'm not given the opportunity, if you don't recognize my talent and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? 
You can remember that it worked. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. I'm Gary Fogle. Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories, and it's time for me to reveal. Okay, here we go. You've been waiting for it. So back in the 20s, at least for the 1928 state championship, and I'm going to pick on that one because this is the one that uh, Mark Maynard talked to me about. Mark Maynard, again, you heard from him earlier in the show. He's from Ashland, worked for 42 years for the Daily Independent, the uh, newspaper there in Ashland and he's an expert on sports history for that town. And he said in 1928, when both the Ashland boys and girls won the state championship, that an all-tournament team was selected for the boys, but not for the girls. So somebody took it upon themselves to select a girls all-tournament team, but they had very strange criteria. I'll let Mark Maynard explain. A sports writer for uh, the Lexington paper, and I think it was Lexington leader at that time, uh, he named his own team, but he named it based on like you would base a beauty pageant. <laughs> so who was he, the prettiest? Yeah. Who was the prettiest? He would, he, you know, he's the brunette from Ashland and the, you know, the tall, uh, you know, the tall girl from Shelby County or, you know, that, you know, he, he named the name too, but he named his own little team like that, which I thought, Wow, you know, you do that today, and it it would not be it would not end well for you <laughs> if you named a team based on the looks of the of the girls. You you would well, it would never get in print. I'm sure if it did, that would be the last thing you got in print, probably. So the uh, prettiest girl, even if she was a horrible player, she got named to the all tournament team, but well, based you, on his based on his analysis. Yeah, and again, this was just his all tournament team. This wasn't the states or anything else. <laughs> How about that? An all-tournament team based solely on looks. Who was the prettiest? They made, they made the all-tournament team. He named five girls the all-tournament team. And uh, Maynard even sent me part of the article. It was written by a sports writer named E.M. Sargent. Again, this was 1928. And here's part of what he wrote in that article. He said, Kentucky has always been noted for its beautiful women and therefore it is appropriate that an all-Kentucky most beautiful girls basketball team be selected. <laughs> and two players off the Ashland team made that team. Uh, Evelyn Ashworth and Thelma Young of Ashland were, were named to that team. And, and the uh, writer, E.M. Sargent, said the team was made up of two blondes and three brunettes. That's what he actually put in print. Can you believe that? Mark Maynard is right. Somebody put that in print today. First of all, it would never get in print. An editor would nix it before it ever even got to print. But if it did, the writer would be fired immediately, and, and rightfully so. But that's what was done back in 1928. So there you have it. That was how this one writer determined the 1928 all-tournament team for the girls' state tournament. Uh, five players, as the writer said, two blondes and three brunettes. There you go. All right, now let's talk about why girls high school basketball was disbanded after the 1932 championship and didn't return until 1974. There are a couple of theories. One is that a lot of school officials 
thought that girls high school basketball was just basically too much trouble. Boys got the priority and dealing with girls high school basketball was a lot of trouble. It was a money loser. Some coaches who also coached the boys didn't want to be involved. So those were a lot of the theories as to why girls high school basketball was dropped. Uh, and then there was another theory, and for that, I'm going to go back to Nick Baker. Once again, Nick Baker is the former state politician who uh, proposed the bill to Frankfurt back in the early 70s to bring girls high school basketball back and, and got voted upon, and he won the vote, got, got enough votes to bring it back. So he's a major reason why girls high school basketball returned in 1974, but he also has a theory on why girls basketball was disbanded after the 1932 season. Some woman, I think maybe a, a first lady of the U.S., and I don't recall which one, back in the 20s, some well-known woman in the 20s had started this ridiculous story that athletic pursuits for girls would damage their childbearing ability. Uh, their reproductive about, system. Yeah, yeah. They're, you talk about fake news, and and that that caught on. So, oh, hey, you know, these little girls are so delicate. You know, they can't they can't be out there running up and down and bumping into each other and jumping up and down, and and people believe that. Of course, it was a convenient lie because uh, they they wanted to favor the boys' teams and and. When and there was still some of that attitude present when I put the girls basketball in in the seventies. Right. Uh, not not necessarily about the reproductive. So there you have a couple of theories. And uh, back when the Kentucky High School Athletic Association voted to disband the girls state tournament after the 1932 season. Apparently, a lot of the smaller rural schools didn't even have representatives at the meeting. They weren't aware that it was taking place. So it happened after the 1932 season, and again, didn't come back until Nick Baker proposed that bill in the state Senate and voted in to bring it back in 1974. I'm going to pass along the uh, state champions from those early years, since there were 13 of them. I thought you just might like to know. The first girls state champion was Paris High School. That was 1920. They defeated Nicholasville by a score of 32 to 10. Then in 21, it was Ashland, knocked off Clark County, 22 to 11. Ashland won it again in 22, defeated Sardis, it looks like. I'm not familiar with Sardis. That final score was 39 to 7. Then in 1923, an interesting score, West Louisville defeats Crescent Springs by a score of eight to five. <laughs> must, must have been a defensive battle or a lot of people who couldn't shoot in that one. So anyway, final score eight to five. Ashland wins it again in 1924 by a score of 13 to 11 over Georgetown. And then Georgetown comes back in 1925 to win it. And they defeated Hardyville Memorial 40 to nothing. Hardyville Memorial did not score. Georgetown wins it 40 to nothing. And I would imagine that was probably one of those games where Georgetown had a tall center or somebody could jump really well. They controlled every jump ball, and Hardyville may have never gotten the ball the entire game or gotten it very little. So that could have been a major reason. That's one of the reasons that jump ball after every basket was voted out 
so that it would uh, allow a smaller team the opportunity to get a ball and a chance to score. 1926, Maysville wins it. 1927, West Louisville again. A 19-18 was the final score in that 1927 tournament. West uh, Louisville knocked off Georgetown. Then Ashland wins it in 28-29. Hazard wins it in 30. And as I mentioned, Woodburn wins the last two in 1931 and 32 before, again, the tournament is disbanded, doesn't come back until 1974. So that's a bit of the history and the happenings around the history of girls' high school basketball here in the state of Kentucky. All right, that'll do it for the show this week. I want to thank all my guests for their contributions and uh, helping make this show possible. Certainly want to thank you for tuning in. Glad you were able to join me for this one. And as always, I'll be back next week with a brand new show. In between now and then, if you'd like to go to my website, you can click on the archives there and listen to some past shows. That's at KentuckySportsMemories.com. So until then, I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. See you next week. of owners that are stressed because their pet isn't behaving the way they expect it to. Usually this is just a training problem, but sometimes the pet isn't a good match for the owner. It's important to be honest about your expectations and to educate yourself about your pet's needs before you take them home. If you have a rigid schedule, a dog might be a good fit since they usually thrive in a structured environment. But if your schedule is always changing, a cat would probably be a better choice since they're a bit more self-sufficient. And you should learn about your individual breeds and their behaviors. A large, active dog usually is not a good choice for an apartment, and pets that shed probably aren't good for people that like their homes to be spotless. Remember, the more effort you put into choosing your pet, the less effort you'll have to put into keeping them as a valuable member of your family.